0: Hello everyone, Wendy Myers here from LiveTo110.com, thank you for joining us on the groundbreaking Medicinal Supplement Summit, where the world's top experts in health and nutrition have come together to discuss one of the most important aspects of your health proper supplementation. I wanted to host this summit because I'm committed to helping you experience vibrant health by making the right supplement choices. Today, my friend and special guest guest is Dr. Tim Jackson. We are going to be discussing the best supplements for Lyme disease, which is becoming shockingly prevalent, and it's more common than people think. Anyone that's been fatigued or has multiple health conditions for a long time, and the doctors can't figure out what it is, I think everyone should be screened for lyme disease dr tim jackson dpt received his undergraduate degree in health science and chemistry from Wake Forest University in 2003. He completed his doctorate in physical therapy from the U- Medical University of Southern Carolina in 2009. Realizing that manual therapy and orthopedic care helped only some of his patients, he began studying functional and environmental medicine, as well as digestive health in order, or in an effort to help others achieve wellness. Dr. Tim is educated in uh, nutritional biology biochemistry, digestive health, and its systemic effects, as well as functional endocrinology. He recently completed the spine portion of the active release technique methodology, a system that addresses musculoskeletal trigger points and helps to expedite the healing process. Dr. Tim Jackson, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm really excited about being on here and Uh, Hopefully, uh, the listeners gain a few tidbits of knowledge.
0: Well, first let's talk about what is Lyme disease and how does it harm the body?
1: Yeah, so Lyme disease uh, is a spiral ketone, meaning a bacterial infection that's very similar to syphilis. Um, It's a stealth bacteria, meaning that it has the ability or the capability to turn certain aspects of your immune system on and off. And so that kind of brings us to one of the main points I wanted to make today, and that is that uh, the test, the traditional test for Lyme, the Western blot test, it is wrong 46 percent of the time. And that's because that test looks for the uh, B-cell, plasma cell markers. And the Lyme bacteria turns that response off. So you're testing something that can't be measured. And so you're pretty much uh, doing the same thing as flipping a coin and guessing. And uh, the other thing to focus on you know, with Lyme is that there are many, many different species. Um, I believe there are 600 and something that I read in the U.S. and around the same number in Europe, slightly less, and they differ depending on the region. So you know, hopefully everyone knows that Lyme can be found in every state now. Um, and, and it's not just transmitted by a tick bite. It's no longer appropriately referred to as a tick borne illness. It uh, can be transmitted via mosquitoes, other insects. Um, it can be sexually transmitted. It's been found in the semen of men um, who completed a study on Lyme disease. So um, you can contract it a number of ways, um, and not just ticks. And So what it does to the body is that it creates an extreme amount of inflammation. Um, You can get what's called neurological Lyme where it causes inflammation in the brain um, and the spinal cord and everyone's symptoms can vary slightly. So if you don't take anything else away from this talk, you want to make sure you understand that just because uh, Mrs. Smith has Lyme disease. And her, she has a certain set of symptoms, and you have a different set of symptoms. That doesn't exclude you from having Lyme. So I've worked with everyone from kids on the autism spectrum to professional athletes, and uh, all who tested positive for Lyme. Um, some people will have joint pain. You know, most people think, oh, if you have Lyme, you have joint pain. Some people do, but some people don't. So um, you know, there. If we had a hundred people in a line, or two hundred people you know, in, in a line or in a field, you know, the uh, symptoms going to vary depending on that person's internal terrain uh, that, you know, I know you discuss a lot on your website about heavy metals. They are synergistic, synergistic uh, with Lyme and so uh, Lyme really can disrupt any system in the body. Um, it can cause renal dysfunction or kidney dysfunction, liver dysfunction. Um, it likes to hide in the joints because there's not as much blood flow there. Um, it can even hide in the jaw. And it creates, uh, we'll get to this in, in another question, but it creates something called biofilm, which you, you probably know biofilm, but it's um, it's basically like the plaque on your teeth, where dentists were the first to discover biofilm. But uh, any infections, especially uh, smart infections, intelligent infections like Lyme, they can really um, interfere with all the different systems in your body. Everything from neurotransmitters to sleep to uh, your ability to control inflammation um, to gut health. There's a nickname, um, it's called Bell's palsy of the gut uh, because when you have Lyme, it doesn't always happen but a lot of times, many times. It slows down the peristolic waves in the gut, and so you may be chronically constipated. And you know you can approach it with probiotics and healing the gut mucosa and getting rid of any harmful uh, pathogens. But uh, you have to to look at it from the Lyme perspective as well and a vagus nerve perspective. Mm. So, in short, Lyme is a bacterial infection that can uh, damage really any part of the body. Um, it can damage the heart. There's a, actually um, a story of a professor at Duke University right down the street from where I went to college at Wake Forest. And he, he was a professor there in the medical school, and he kept telling the doctors, something's not right with my heart. And they did all the tests on him, EKGs, Dopplers, all those things, cardiac echoes, and they would, no one would believe him. And it didn't, it took him needing a heart transplant for them to finally say, okay, something's really wrong here. So, you know, you want to treat Lyme seriously. And uh, it is about the terrain. You know, we talk about the terrain of the body. And, uh, you know, so if you have a lot of heavy metals, you have poor gut health, um, you don't sleep very much then your symptoms are going to flare up and you're going to have you know, Lyme that's active. Uh, the goal with Lyme is not to just kill, 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 it, it's about changing the atmosphere in your body.
0: Mm-hmm. And Lyme can cause chronic fatigue as well. Like I know some clients have had chronic fatigue for years and no one can figure out what's going on and then they finally realize they, they have Lyme.
1: Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny. I mean, it's not funny, but it's silly to think that, um, you know, I see these articles like either online or in the newspaper or on the news that say, oh, such and such causes chronic fatigue syndrome. Not one specific thing causes it. It's just a cluster of symptoms that we've given a name to. It can be caused by Lyme. It can be caused by Epstein-Barr. It can be caused by HHV-6. It can be caused by the, some of the co-infections, which we call the co-infections, uh, Bartonella and Babesia. There are two other species of bacteria. Um, Babesia is more of a parasite, but um, you know those are definitely play a role, um, you know, in addressing the Lyme. And you know, with the co-infections, some people will actually say that uh, some Lyme-literate doctors will say. Oh, uh, Lyme is actually the co-infection, and the Bartonella and Babesia are are the true infections. And there's a lot of truth to that um, because they're a little bit harder to treat than Lyme directly.
0: Oh, can you move your head a little bit in the middle? <laughs> Perfect. And then we can all right. see you. But yeah, then we can see you better. Sorry. And no, no problem at all. So, what is the best test to do for Lyme? Because you you mentioned. The Western blot. Is there any lab that you prefer, or any other test that's ideal to detect Lyme?
1: A lot of times, and, and I, you know, I tell people kind of uh, you know the pluses and minuses of each one, and then I let them decide. Um, you know, we know the problems with the Western blot, but even the functional lab tests, um, they miss, and you get a lot of false negatives with those tests, and they're quite pricey, usually around eight hundred dollars. And the other thing to keep in mind is that, you know, I'm not sure how many species each lab tests for, but, you know, there's no way they cover all of them. So you could very well be positive, and it may not show up. For example, in Japan, and I think in China, you only need one band. Well, we we'll go and get into the bands later. But you only need one band positive to be considered positive for Lyme. Here, uh, the CDC says you have to have five, but the reality is that it's really more of a clinical diagnosis. Um, There are some indirect markers, um, things like complement 3A, complement 4A, um, alpha melanocyte stimulating hormone, um, TGF beta 1. Those are all markers that are indirectly measuring Lyme and in some cases mold. but the best test is really, I mean, there is a culture test, uh, I think the lab's called Advanced Labs, and now there's a new one, or it's relatively new, called, uh, I think it's DNA Connections, with an X, and that one looks for the DNA of the spirochete. And so I haven't had any uh, clients or patients come to me with that test yet, but um, I've been doing some reading on it, and it seems promising. Um, there's also another test through Pharmason labs uh, you know which is connected to neuroscience and it's called the immune tolerance test and they look at whether your infection is a past infection or a current infection or both yeah. um, so you know those are probably the two best tests um, and then dr. Klinghart you know I'm sure you're familiar with Dietrich, Dr. Dietrich Klinghart he uses autonomic response testing which you know to the naked eye just looking at it from you know the outside it looks like you're measuring um you know muscle testing but this is actually measuring something very different it's measuring the sympathetic and parasympathetic responses to different pathogens and then you can also test the remedies that will be successful against those pathogens mm. And now, you know, no testing methodology is 100% accurate. But uh, I've seen, you know, I've sent clients for ART testing that you know I work with from a distance, and it'll say, you know, that they're positive for Lyme. They won't believe me. I'll say, okay, well, let's do the blood test, and they come back positive. So the reason I kind of like the ART is that it saves uh, people money, and you can test more markers without raising the cost.
0: Yeah, and it's a shame. I have a lot of clients come to me. They have their typical Western blood test. They don't have five bars. The doctor's like, oh, you don't have Lyme. When yeah. they they have all the symptoms. So you can't always look at the test, look at the the symptoms people have as well. Um, you don't treat the test, you you know, you know treat the client. right. And right. so mo- most doctors just give antibiotics for Lyme, the the, M- the LMDs, the Lyme medical mm-hmm. doctors. So what is the problem with, with this and does this have a, a beneficial effect or impact on Lyme and reversing it or curing it, if you
1: will? That's a great question. I was having this conversation with a client yesterday um, and basically, you know, if you're going to treat it you know with antibiotics like if you get bitten today and you notice like a bullseye rash going on 4 weeks of doxycycline would be very helpful that would a lot of times just completely eradicate it but most of the time people do not know when they're bitten because when i say or you say you know ticks they think of those huge blood sucking ticks but there are ticks many types and species of ticks that can jump on you Bite you and jump off, and you never see them. And a lot of doctors, especially immunologists, will go by the bullseye rash. Well, depending on which study and who you talk to, the rashes only happen or occur in 9 to 30% of people. So you cannot use the bullseye rash as a diagnostic tool for whether you have Lyme or not. Mm-hmm. When if you uh, take the doxycycline, uh, you know, uh, say years after you have been infected, what it does is it drives. There's three different forms of the Lyme spirochete: the cyst form, the L form, and uh, the regular spirochete. And um, you know, if, if you catch it right away, that uh, antibiotics can be very helpful. But if you don't catch it right away. The antibiotics, their effectiveness decline over and over again, and I see that in clients who've been on antibiotics, even IV antibiotics for years. Um, a lot of people have this misconception that just because something is prescription, that it's stronger than a nutraceutical, and just because something's a nutraceutical does not mean that it's weaker than a pharmaceutical. And so that's something I have to really hammer home to people: if you're gonna treat with antibiotics. There you can look I mean, it's on various websites, but uh, Dr. Horowitz's book, "Why Can't I Get Better?" Um, he has a chapter in there where they pair um, talk about the pairing of antibiotics, so that when you, you go after them and an attempt to kill them, that you're going after um, all three forms. If you go after it with just oxycycline, and you've had it for a couple of years or months. Um, you drive it into the more virulent, more strong, stronger forms, and that's something you definitely want to, don't want to do. So that's why you want to, you know, look at the appropriate combinations of antibiotics um, and make sure your doctor knows, you know, this antibiotic goes after this form, this antibiotic goes after another form. Um, and then you also want to pulse uh, treatment so that, you know, maybe you treat for three weeks and you take a couple days off. For three or four weeks, take a couple of days off. That allows these uh, the forms of the spirochete that are in hiding to come out, and so then the, you can attack them again. Um, uh, but along with that, you know, one of my uh, questions or topics that we uh, I wrote down for you was talking about the biofilm, and the biofilm is extremely important. Uh, we have it throughout our bodies. We have it in our guts. And what it is is it's basically a shield uh, to protect the spirochete from the immune system. And so um, you have behind the, the uh, biochem, you have all sorts of uh, metals and environmental toxins uh, as well as the pathogens themselves. And so you, you want to use things like I use buloki or natokonase or seropeptase on an empty stomach to break down the biofilm, then you take your antimicrobials. Because if you just take the antimicrobials, it may just bump up against the biofilm and try to get to the Lyme, but it may not have much of an effect. And so for people that come to me that are already on, say, you know, a program uh, to kill the Lyme, if if I have them start a supplement to uh, eradicate the biofilm, I tell them to be very careful because, you know, it suddenly the the antimicrobials you're taking become more effective. And so, uh, you know, you can have more dial, in other words. Mm -hmm. So, the biofilm is extremely important. If you don't address it, the antimicrobials won't get to where they're supposed to get to. And so, that's the same thing. Uh, The same thing applies to Babesia and Bartonella. The co-infections, Bartonella is known as cat scratch fever, many types of Bartonella, and there's Babasia. um, The other thing that is extremely important to remember when going after Lyme, whether you use antibiotics or nutraceuticals, a natural approach, is to remember that it has a much longer life cycle than the average bacteria. Um, The average bacteria has a reproduction time of 20 minutes. So every twenty to twenty-five minutes, you get a new generation. Lyme, it's much much longer, so you have to treat it for longer, so that you get all the different forms of it.
0: Mm-hmm. And how long do people need to embark on addressing Lyme or treating Lyme?
1: That's a sixty-four thousand dollars question. You know, for some people, it, I mean, they are on—they've been on antibiotics, IV antibiotics for years, um, and it hasn't done much. It really depends and uh, on the person's other imbalances and biomarkers. So how are their adrenals? How is What's their DHEA level like? What's their sex hormone level like? What is their ability to control inflammation and oxidative stress like? So all those things will pl- – what's their gut health like? All those pl- things uh, factor in and determine how long you need it. The key is, and, and this is a saying I learned from uh, an empty mentor of mine, is that you can't kill your way to health. Meaning that, you know, you can, a lot of people think I'm just going to go whack, you know, these Lyme spirochetes and just kill them all. Well, you already have, if you have Lyme, you already have uh, some baseline inflammation. And if that, if you just go in and start killing uh, pathogens, you're going to create more inflammation. And that's where the, the bad, really bad symptoms occur. So, you know, just to give you like a rundown version of that, when you have the flu, you know, and you feel like just laying down, not talking to anyone, not socializing, your energy is low, those are what we call pro-inflammatory cytokines. And so, the most of the symptoms you're experiencing with Lyme are from that, um, from that itself. So... Um, uh, does that answer your question?
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's different right. for everyone.
1: Yeah, and, exactly.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about what are some of the best supplements for a killing Lyme? And and there's, there's so much that you can do. What are your top things that you've noticed have been very successful and protocols that are successful?
1: Yeah. Um, well, again, uh, I'll give you kind of a general answer and then I'll talk about some caveats. So, you know, uh, there's the Cowden Protocol, Dr. Lee Cowden, Named after him, and the herbs are made through um, the company Nutramedics. I don't have any financial connection to them at all. just happens to be the company that makes them. And Cemento and Banderol are two good supplements to take. Um, They're liquid drops that you take on an empty stomach that you would want to take. Any of these antimicrobials, you'd want to take – after taking a biofilm buster. And the biofilm buster has to be taken on an empty stomach. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not gonna hurt you to take it with food, but you're gonna waste it if you take it with food.
0: What brand do you like for the biofilm disruptor?
1: It's called Canada. It's either RNA Canada or Canada RNA. Mm -hmm. It's expensive, Uh, it's a white bottle with a red label, red and black label. and I mean, and it is expensive, but uh, it's extremely effective. Extremely effective. But serapetase, Dr. Cowden uses serapetase as part of his protocol, which is good. I've just personally seen better results with the the buloki, um, as long as people can afford it. Um, and it, the one thing I do remind people is that okay, yes, it may cost a little more, but you may not need as much of the antimicrobials because the antimicrobials are able to get to the pathogens in this case.
0: How long do you take the biofilm disruptor prior to starting? As long
1: as you're taking any antimicrobial, whether it's antibiotics or a combination of antibiotics and herbals. So um, it it basically makes them more effective. So you, you will have to take less and for a shorter period of time when you address the biofilm. Okay.
0: Yeah, and and, so let's get back to your, your Lyme protocol. What do what you like yeah, for that?
1: Yeah, so, uh, well, the first thing is, I mean, and this really applies to any syndrome or cluster of symptoms is that, you know, you want to control inflammation first because it, you're already inflamed and that's causing symptoms. If you just go in and start whacking these bacteria, the endotoxins that they release will create a whole lot more inflammation. So I don't have a set protocol. What I typically do is I approach it with some very potent um, homeopathic remedies on one end of the spectrum. And then on the other end of the spectrum, I use things like cemento, bandarol, colloidal silver, um, and, and those tend to do a really good job over time and you know you can rotate the herbal antimicrobials. Um, some people, you know, you want to make sure your bowels are moving, obviously when you're killing things. And so uh, having a binder on board, excuse me, pardon me, uh, can be helpful. So something like zeolite, um, there's another one called Takasimi, T-A-K-E-S-U-M-I, Supreme. Um, it looks like activated charcoal, but that's a good binder. And these are things that you would take, you know, like an hour and a half to two hours after taking your antimicrobials. So it it does get a little bit tricky in terms of timing it. You know, you kind of have to write out your schedule, um, you know, so that you're taking, you're getting the maximum benefit from the supplements that you're um, taking.
0: And so the binder, whether it be, uh, you know, the Zeolite or the Takasimi, um, so, that's conceivably to uh, absorb all the toxins that are being released when you have this die off?
1: Yeah. N- and not only that, um, there's a certain per- 25% of the population has a genetic glitch called the HLA, human leukocyte antigen DR genotype. And I know about this because I have the worst one. It's called the dreaded genotype. And it means that both mold, you know, mycotoxins you're exposed to, and Lyme toxins, you will have a very difficult or challenging time getting rid of them. So that's where the binders come in to bind them up. You just have to ensure that your bowels are moving at least two times a day, preferably three times a day. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Yeah, and if not, can you do coffee enemas? Yeah, you
1: can you can do coffee enemas. That's going to help the liver. You know, it upregulates glutathione in the liver. Um, But yeah, you can do that. And sometimes I'll send people for colonics. You know, just to get things going. Um, But I also have people do some brain exercises. I don't know if I talked about them on your last podcast, but um, you know, the vagus nerve is essentially the nerve that controls all of our internal organs and things like gargling. Singing, using a tongue depressor to elicit the gag reflex; those all activate the vagus nerve, which helps with peristalsis and uh, bowel movements. And so that's one way to you know ensure that your your bowels are going to move, um, because a lot of people only approach it from the gut, the the bottom up approach. You know, probiotics, enzymes you know, restore um, glutamine, all those things. But you want to approach it from both avenues because it's a bi-directional system.
0: Okay. And so the the colloidal silver, what brand of that do you recommend? Because there's a lot of big variance in the quality and safety uh, among colloidal silver.
1: Well, I never have people do it longer than three months and that's just my personal preference. Um, I mean, I'm sure you, some people could safely go higher, but I just don't chance it. And I, again, I like to rotate antimicrobials as well. So usually if you've been on it for three months, it's time to rotate to something else. The brands I use, one is that you're familiar with is Argentin 23. Um, you know, it, it has a, a very low parts per million, or excuse me, high parts per million, so more gets into the cell. Um, and the other brand that I use that uh, – actually, I haven't personally used it yet, but I've used it with clients. Uh, a medical doctor colleague of mine told me about – it's called Thank You Silver, like thank you. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's supposed to be, from what I've read, you know, pH balanced, etc. cetera. Um, but when you're taking something like silver, you know, you're going to be going after a lot of different things. It's not specific to lime. So if someone has a Herzheimer reaction or die-off, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's coming from the Lyme. And a lot of people, I want everyone to really understand this, is that, you know, they'll say, oh, I have uh, 30 different problems going on. I have Epstein-Barr, I have Babasia, I have Bartonella, I have Lyme. But the truth is I've never, in six years of practice, seen just one infection by itself. They're always going to come together. And they do that uh, because it makes them more virulent and easier for them to fight off the immune cells. And certain bacterial cells will take part of their DNA because they have a circular DNA and they'll exchange it with other bacteria. And so that makes them more resistant to both prescription antibiotics um, and nutraceuticals. Mm.
0: Yeah, and also when people become weaker and weaker, they're more susceptible to getting more infections, their immune systems compromised, they have less energy, and it's the perfect storm to, to harbor numerous pathogens and parasites and metals, et cetera.
1: Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's important to, you know, uh, no matter whether some, you know, some, if someone comes to me and they say they think they have Lyme, they're really worried about it, I say, well, the good news is we're going to do the same things, whether you have it or not. Because if you're, for example, when your body temperature drops just a couple tenths of a degree, your immune function drops. So we have to optimize the HPA thyroid axis to get your body temperature up, and that'll <laughs> help with enzyme function. <coughs> Are you okay? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so that'll help with enzyme function, with detoxification, et cetera, if that makes sense.
0: Yes. Yes, and so let's review again the microbials you like to use to kill Lyme and what specific brands and products that you use.
1: Yeah, so I use a ton. I'll give you the homeopathic remedies I use are from a company called Desbio, D-E-S-B-I-O, um, and they're very potent. Um, the guy who founded the company, uh, he unfortunately, he recently passed, but... He was an MD, and he turned into a homeopath. And uh, they have, you know, different strengths. Um, with the highest strength being 10M, uh, in certain European countries, 10M is actually a prescription. Um, but I use the um, kit from them. They have a whole program that's like eight months. They like you to start out at a lower dose, but you know, after looking at someone's labs and reading through their history. I, I think I do a pretty good job of determining, you know, who will tolerate what. You know, I'm not always right, but um, you know, usually I do a pretty good job honing in on that. And um, you know, with the immune system, you know, like I said, you got to make sure that uh, your body temperature stays elevated, and that's one reason why people feel so good in a far infrared sauna. It is helping you to detox, but it's also improving your immune function. And the bugs absolutely hate that, and so um, that's one reason you feel better, you know, after doing a sauna. Um, and as far as brand specific brands of herbs, I use some of the NutriMetics herbs. Um, again, that's part of the Calden protocol. Um, there's the, the full Calden protocol, which involves, I think, like eleven or twelve herbs. And there's the abbreviated version, which is, involves, I think, five to six herbs. But uh, cemento, which is uh, cat's claw, and banderol, B-A-N-D-E-R-O-L, those are two herbs that um, have a, a good efficacy in terms of killing lime. But again, you, you have to combine it with a biofilm buster or biofilm disruptor, or otherwise it won't be as effective. Um, there, if you look on the Nutramedics website, there's a chart somewhere on there that shows you which herbs can be taken together and which ones can't. Um, because you're you always going to want to take them on an empty stomach, but there are some that they kind of cancel each other out, or the effects gets canceled. Or, um, so you can look at that on the Nutramedics website, um, and then the silver, the Argentin Twenty Three I mentioned, and and or the uh, thank you silver. Um, That's very powerful as well. Um, And then, so those are kind of for the lion. For the co-infections, the babesia and the Bartonella, they really um, require, you can get, I use the desbio homeopathic kits for those as well. But um, you have to use some more specific herbs, excuse me, and things of that nature. Uh, Kumanda is one. Um, there's a prescription medication called Alinea, Alinia, A L I N I A, which, you know, in general, I'm not a fan of prescriptions, but this one happens to work really well against Babasia. Um, and other products that I use are like the Buloki, the Biofilm Buster, um, you know, any adrenal support, because a lot of times people, you know, when they start to kill pathogens, You know, it's another stressor to their body, so you want to really support the adrenals, which is going to indirectly support the thyroid, and help all those biochemical reactions in your body take place at the rate that they should. The other thing that uh, you want to make sure of, and usually the biofilm buster does a good job of this, is that the blood flow is getting to everywhere it can possibly get. Because, you know, even if you're taking these wonderful top-notch supplements, if it's not getting to the spirochetes, then it's not going to have an effect. And so you want to – things to obviously increase circulation, far-infrared sauna, dry skin brushing, um, things like the bio mats, um, you know, uh, the mini trampolines, uh, those vibration plates that you can stand on. Um, because if you think about it, most of us today, you know, sit for a good portion of our workday and, you know, that keeps the lymph stagnant. And so, you know, there, there are other machines, a couple of machines out there that you can uh, use um, to help get the lymph moving. Um, you can, like I said, do the lymph brushing. Uh, here in Sedona, where I live, um, a few miles outside of the city. There's a naturopath who does – it's called, I believe, the Voider Method, Um, and he really gets deep into the tissues. Uh, You just have to be careful because you can – because you've basically been storing garbage and toxins in the lymphatic system, and when you start moving that out, you want to make sure the bowels are moving, that you're um, drinking enough fluids with with electrolytes, et cetera.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, and so uh, thank you so much for reviewing that. I just want to make sure that everyone was clear on that. Yeah. And so let's go over um, some of uh, you know the best ways to boost the immune system, because yeah. that's you know for some people they've got a compromised immune system, which um, you know obviously uh, you know creates a problem. If they're already compromised or more susceptible to develop, you know, having different problems and acquiring different co-infections. Let's go into how you'd recommend boosting the immune system.
1: Well, part of it gets, uh, probably the first one is something that you probably know more about than I do, and that's, you know, detoxifying toxic metals, you know, aluminum, mercury. um, You know, those are are extremely, you know, it's like 1 plus 1 equals 10. And people think, you know, oh, well, I'm taking a safe amount of it there but they don't realize there is no safe amount you know for these metals and the metals are synergistic with the pathogens and so you know the ways that i go about addressing them it really depends on the person's constitution and how long they've been detoxing or how long they've been going about this um because you know if you're with the immune system, a lot of people think that, you know, you're and I probably should have worded this differently, you don't want to just boost the immune system, you want to balance it out. So, you know, you can like with chronic quote unquote chronic fatigue syndrome, you can have part of your immune system that's overactive and creating sort of an autoimmune type issue. And you can have part of the another part of your immune system underactive, you know, and that allows you to accumulate infections. Um, Does that sort of answer your question?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so let's talk a little about the use of an infrared sauna to help boost the immune system and eradicate infections. You kind of touched on it. Can you elaborate a little bit more?
1: Yeah. I mean, well, number one, it's going to raise your body temperature. And, um, you know, people uh, should – I recommend most of my clients take their body temperature two to three times a day. And because ultimately we don't have a blood test or a biomarker test to see how well your thyroid hormone is binding to the receptor, so um, the doc, the thyroid experts pretty much recommend you know t- checking it two to three times a day, with one of those being like right when you first wake up. But as you know, your if your thyroid is off, it's going to throw every reaction and every system in the body off because every system in the body has receptors for the thyroid. And with the thyroid, you know, if you have thyroid issues, you're almost always guaranteed to have adrenal issues. And I was just talking with a naturopath colleague of mine the other day. We were saying how we're, not to brag on us, but we're the only ones that really get that you have to work on the adrenals before you can give someone thyroid medicine because you can make them have atrial fibrillation, premature ventricular contractions and uh, I used to work with a nurse practitioner who would have people on massive doses of armoured thyroid without ever looking at the adrenals and so a lot of times if you optimize the adrenals first you may not completely eradicate the need for thyroid medicine but you certainly will reduce it.
0: Mm Yeah.
1: So, uh, but with the far infrared sauna, um, you know, it, so it's going to obviously heat up your body. It's going to mobilize, um, you know, fat soluble toxins. You want to make sure that you're on a good electrolyte supplement that you take um, right after you get out. Um, that you, you know, you wipe. Obviously, these are common sense things, but just so people know that you're wiping the sweat as soon as it comes out. And then try to shower as soon as you get out as well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you can do the protocol, the whole, you know, Ron Hubbard protocol with niacin and everything. Um, some people have good luck with that. Um, I was reading some data a couple months ago. I guess it was about four months ago now. Um, and a medical doctor volunteered um, to give data to Genova on his sweat. They collected his sweat after he went into the sauna. And uh, they are uh, they did find excretion of heavy metals. And so um, you know th- there's definitely um, something to that. And with the just uh, improving your overall metabolism, your metabolic rate, that's going to improve immune function as well. So you, you will detox you know certain environmental chemicals, certain metals, Um, But, you know, you want to do it uh, consistently and and the more symptoms you have, you got to make sure, first of all, that the adrenals are stabilized because you'll crash if you put someone in a far-infrared sauna that has adrenal issues. So you want to, you know, do an adrenal stress index, um, looking at cortisol and DHEA, um, making sure that they're optimal or close to optimal. you know, otherwise, when you put someone in a the sauna, they're going to crash and feel worse. Um, that's why you know, when you're killing things, you want to also support the adrenals because uh, it's taking extra work to do that. Just like people don't realize you know, they think that you know, we eat and that gives us energy, but it actually takes energy to break down food. You know, protein has the highest thermic effect of food, so you know, that helps with body temperature. Um, but check getting back to um, the far infrared sauna. Yeah, um, that they did a study, it was published in the Townsend letter about four or five years ago. And they looked at uh, I think like 50 rescue workers from September 11th. And most of them, the average person rescue worker was on about 16 to 17 medications. They did, uh, I think, an hour of the sauna twice a day, you know, making sure they were putting their electrolytes and fluids. And after I think four to five months, they were, the average person was down to around four medications. Mm. Wow. So, I mean, they're, I mean, it's just like the sun, you know, we think of, oh, we're going to go outside and, to the sun and get some vitamin D. Well, we are getting that, but we're probably getting a million other things happening. And, you know, that we haven't discovered yet. So um, that's kind of my take on And You know, it, you're also, you know, I t- mentioned circulation earlier. You know, the sauna is going to help improve circulation. And by doing that, you get better delivery of your antimicrobials and your herbs and everything to the, the position that the spirochetes are in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I use a sauna on a regular basis. I have for years. I use a, a near-infrared sauna by saunaspace.com i love it It takes up like half my living room i don't care i love it um but any any are fine far infrared near infrared doesn't matter they're all good they work yeah not the one at your gym that's just a regular sauna that doesn't do the same thing the infrared rays penetrate your body heat you up from the inside out much different effect than just the heat so not the same thing um so let's talk a little about ozone therapy sure Um, that is something that i've heard is absolutely amazing for killing off infections in your body of all types, including the AIDS virus. So why wouldn't it work on Lyme? Let's talk about that.
1: Well, it it can work on Lyme, but uh, I'll give you an example of a friend of mine who's been doing ozone, I think, for at least two years, both IV ozone and rectal ozone, and she still has Lyme. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that gets um, back to my point of addressing the terrain. Um, so, you know, you can give those potent uh, antimicrobials like ozone, but um, when you do that, when you kill off any pathogen, really, there's the chance that you're going to release metals because metals and pathogens, you know, they like to hang out together. But uh, ozone, you can do um, the IV ozone where they draw your blood out, they add the gas to it, and they add your blood back in. And that's helpful. It's mostly um, helpful for viruses and in conditions with viruses that are active. Um, but it, it certainly, yeah, it certainly does help Lyme. I mean, you know, the thing that's most challenging about Lyme is that, you know, there's no really universal protocol or program that I can say, oh, this is going to definitely make you better. It's what I mean, ozone may take one person out of a wheelchair and allow them to walk again. The next person, they may feel absolutely nothing from it. And it it all depends on your immune status, your terrain, like you point out with the metals and the uh, toxicity of aluminum and mercury and cadmium um, and things of that nature. But ozone can be very good. Um, I know plenty of people who do it, the insufflation rectally. um, But you want to be careful because you can create – Uh, too much oxidative stress if you do it too long and too many times. Mm -hmm. That's why if you look at some people uh, who've done it for years and years, they look a lot older than they should. Oh, really? Yeah, especially if they already have a compromised redox system where their glutathione is staying in the um, oxidized form and not getting recycled to the reduced form. Um, And if you're deficient in vitamin C or superoxide dismutase, that can also affect it.
0: Okay. Yeah, very, very good points. Thank you for clarifying that. Sure. And so let's talk about some of the good long-term maintenance supplements uh, that you recommend.
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, the first one is technically not a supplement. It's a medicine, but it's a good medicine. But it's probably one that I mean some of your listeners have probably heard of it. But it's low dose naltrexone, and so uh, low dose naltrexone is a compounded medication. Uh, they use the phrase the adjective uh, low dose to differentiate it from its original purpose, which was to help heroin addicts get off of heroin. But that's in really high doses. And in very low doses, it can be used as an immune system balancer. An inflammation balancer; it raises or decreases your um, some of your Treg cells that can cause autoimmunity. Um, I, I could go on and on. I mean, it does so many things. If you type in, I don't know if they changed it, but last time I checked, if you type in low dose naltrexone mm. into Google and right after it put PDF, there's like a two hundred page uh, ebook written by clinicians and patients. And it talks about their experiences with the drug, and it, it's cheap. You don't hear about it because most MS drugs, Parkinson's drugs, they're at least seven to eight hundred a month, whereas you know LDN is like forty, forty-five dollars a month. So um, you don't, you're not going to hear much about it. But what it, the way it works is that during the night, your your immune cells have receptors for the opioids, um, naturally produced opioids, and your body at nighttime down regulates those and then during the day they get upregulated. so by doing that it helps to balance the immune system and it helps to calm down inflammation uh, it helps to protect the microglia in the brain so you'll notice uh, better brain function because uh, when you have infections they activate the, what's called the microglia And the central nervous system, and those are white blood cells, and if they're turned on for too long, it creates neurodegeneration. So it's a good. I I mean, I'm not. I don't stay on it constantly. I rotate it on and off. But for the price and for what it does, uh, I mean, I think it's a great long-term supplement Mm -hmm. um, in, in terms of balancing the immune system. A lot of people say. Think it's just going to boost it, but it balances it out. Um, that so that's one. The next one is my favorite, glutathione. You know, glutathione does so many things, but it's extremely important for immune function, as well as you know your arena detoxifying metals. Um, and glutathione, uh, you know, you can check your RBC glutathione. But I, I tell people, you know, unless you're just an anomaly you're probably deficient in glutathione and you have to be careful and kind of judge uh, and learn when to add glutathione in because if someone like with multiple chemical sensitivity that I'm working with if they just start out on glutathione and glutathione recycler, recycling products it, it can throw them for a loop you know it can redistribute metals stir up pathogens uh, but once you get to that point in your program you know, you can take the glutathione, um, there's many different forms. Regular oral glutathione is not well absorbed, if at all, but there's liposomal glutathione, there's transdermal glutathione, and if you can find a doctor who will write for it, nebulize glutathione, where you nebulize it and breathe it in. So um, that's an important molecule for, it's a natural antiviral but it also helps with detoxification. And a lot of the toxins that are in the body are immunosuppressive. So uh, so far we talked about litters naltrexone, which is abbreviated LDN. And um, w- with that, you know, you, you if someone wants to, you know look into that, what, they, what I recommend doing is calling around to your nearest compounding pharmacies and asking which providers in the area, Prescribe Lotus Naltrexone. And that way, you know, going in, you're not going to have to try and convince someone that this is something you need. Um, so, that's something I recommend. And then glutathione, uh, you know, like I said, there are many different forms. I've used transdermal, I've used, oral, excuse me, oral liposomal. They're all good. Um, just, you know, they have to, if it's liposomal, anything liposomal needs to be on an empty stomach. Um, but, uh, you, the other thing is, and people don't really understand this, even doc, most doctors and practitioners is that you, okay, you can boost your glutathione levels, but if it becomes immediately oxidized, then that's bad. That's like me giving you hundred thousand dollars, but then saying, okay, you don't have access to the account. So, um, there are different herbs and um, nutraceuticals that can help recycle glutathione from the oxidized state back to the reduced state. The reduced state is not that people need to know this, but it's abbreviated GSH. and That's the one The reason it's so I mean it's important for a million reasons. It's pretty much impossible to get an autoimmune syndrome or disorder if you have adequate glutathione. Um, But glutathione sits in front of your mitochondria and any type of oxidative stress or free radicals that come near it, it absorbs them. So when you're deficient in glutathione, you end up with mitochondrial damage which leads to fatigue and tissue dysfunction. And so those are, I would say, are probably my top two. Um, Colostrum is also good. There's a company here in Arizona called Sovereign Labs, and they have a liposomal colostrum. Mm. That's a good uh, long-term supplement. You know, it's good for gut health, joint health, lots of things. Um, And then there's a spray called uh, PRP. Um, It stands for proline-rich polypeptides. And they're actually derived from... um, the colostrum, the the first milking, um, and what they are, and they've actually been studied uh, by a guy named Dr. Keach uh, in Texas. Um, they've even helped AIDS patients. Um, they help to modulate the immune response. Um, so you know, the, uh, a few sprays of that a couple times a day uh, as maintenance is good. If you're in an acute situation, you know, you can do four to five sprays three times a day under the tongue. Um, but it, it's good because it doesn't stimulate one aspect or the other. It just helps to balance. Mm. And so that, that's a, a, another good one. So those are the, and then depending on vitamin D with, with Lyme, it's important to check the 125 hydroxy vitamin D and the 25 hydroxy because oftentimes the 25 hydroxy is low, the 125 is high. And if you supplement with vitamin D, It creates more inflammation.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize that doctors usually are checking one or the other. Right. One's the free form, one's the active form, and you have to check both, not just one. Right.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. You got to check both of them because if you just add Well, first of all, most people are you know, I know you've had Morley on the show, uh, are deficient in magnesium, and so when you start supplementing with vitamin D, you're just depleting magnesium even more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, that can be extremely problematic because uh, I think Dr. Carolyn Dean's doing a presentation, but she says that magnesium is involved in 800 plus biochemical reactions in the body. And there are some people out there, especially Lyme doctors, that will say, oh, no, you, you can't take magnesium because it creates, along with calcium biofilm. But you have to look you have to weigh the lesser of two evils. You know, you can take something to break down the biofilm i'm not concerned about that but your cells and your tissues need magnesium for so many reasons that to not take it would just be silly in my opinion
0: yes yes yeah we love magnesium yes and so what so you mentioned before you need to control inflammation and so what supplements do you like to use to to control inflammation
1: Well, I'm going to be a little bit repetitive here, but low-dose naltrexone, and again, I know that's not a supplement, uh, it's a prescription, um, but that works really well. Butyrate works really well. Butyrate is a short-chain fatty acid that's found in our GI tract that helps maintain the health of the gut lining. And uh, in studies where they've had people supplement with uh, butyrate on an empty stomach, it calms down systemic inflammation by calming down gut inflammation. So that's why, you know, if you can work on calming down inflammation in the gut, your systemic inflammation will go down. Um, And fish oil, fish oil is a good one. Um, Curcumin is extremely, extremely good uh, because it works at the genetic level to turn off that transcription factor that you may have heard of called NF-kappa-beta, and if that gets turned on, all these inflammatory molecules get produced, and so curcumin and turmeric, not only do they help um, you know, decrease inflammation, they help to control inflammation in the brain, and they have antimicrobial properties. So I, I think the curcumin slash turmeric, the glutathione, the low-dose naltrexone, and then the, um, the Buloki and the Natakani Seropep case, those biofilm busters also help with inflammation.
0: What brands of curcumin do you like?
1: I work with uh, Neurobiologics a lot because I did some training with uh, Dr. Stewart and they have a curcumin cream. It's a light yellow cream that you can just apply either behind the knees or to the forearms. And so I like that one. I have some people use that one. I mean, I gave it to one lady with, you know, quote, unquote, chronic fatigue. And, you know, she called me like a few days later and said she was a different person. Mm. So it was, you know, th- that tells you that it's working on the cytokines. There's another one, and I have no financial connection to this one, um, but it's called Enhansa, E-N-H-A-N-S-A. And it's only made, you know, you can Google it. It's only made by one person. Company in Ohio called Lee Silsby. And you can order it without a prescription. You don't need a prescription. But if you have a doctor or a provider you're working with that can write prescriptions, sometimes your insurance may cover part of it.
0: Yeah, I take a product called NutraCell, uh, liposomal curcumin. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. And I put it in my smoothies and uh, really, really effective and enjoyable to take. So yeah. I really like it. It's expensive, but it, it works really well.
1: Yeah, and that's why, I mean, I think Kirk Human's right up there uh, with fish oil because it works on so many levels, like I didn't get to it, but it calms down a toxic compound in the brain called quinolinic acid, Uh, it helps to boost glutathione, you know, it has antiviral properties, Um, it's just an all-around, you know, good supplement, and anytime, you know, you can save people money and resources and have one supplement do multiple things, I think that's good
0: yeah absolutely. Well, Tim, thank you so much for for joining us and discussing Lyme disease and the best supplements for Lyme disease. Uh, I, I love talking to you and having you on my Live to one ten podcast is so knowledgeable. Uh, you, you know, you have Lyme disease yourself, or you had it at one point, correct?
1: Yeah, I did. I did. And uh, so it's very personal to me um, as well as professional. Uh, But, uh, you know, maybe one day we'll talk about mold because that overlaps with it and uh, that's kind of a a hidden thing. I mean, some people are jumping on the bandwagon, but it's a a hidden pandemic really um, and that creates systemic inflammation as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, Tim, why don't you tell the listeners where they can find you and learn more about you and how they can work with you, et cetera?
1: Sure. Uh, My website, which is being revamped at the moment, is healyourbody.org. So, www.healyourbody.org. Uh, the link that says work with me is broken, but I'll give you my email. Uh, it's all lowercase d r t i m, so Dr. Tim, and then 072981 at gmail.com. So, Dr. Tim, and then just 072981 at gmail.com. You can also like my professional Facebook page, Dr. Tim Jackson. Um, You can find me there, and uh, you can find me on your podcast sometimes.
0: Great. Well, Tim, thank you so much for for enlightening us with your knowledge.
1: (laughs) Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I appreciate it.
0: And everyone, thank you again for joining us on the Medicinal Supplement Summit. I hope you got an education on Lyme and how to address it properly and naturally and get you thinking if Lyme may be a cause of your chronic fatigue or neurological symptoms. It's worth ruling out as many doctors don't screen for it. If you enjoyed this talk, please enjoy 36 more talks by purchasing the Medicinal Supplement Summit. We discuss every every aspect of supplementing, how to take supplements properly, what ingredients to avoid, the best testing to customize supplements to your body, and so much more. It's all covered on the Medicinal Supplement Summit. My name is Wendy Myers, and my hope is you experience the health that you deserve. And that all begins with taking the right supplements for you.
1: Absolutely.